This week on Backyard Footy. Well, well it's, t- it's, it's twofold, right? Like, um, sometimes the club's not going to know the nature of the situation because, you know, again, uh, I was talking about visibility. You would know what your people need more than sometimes what the owner does or the club. So, right. therefore, you take it to the owner, but then the owner gets invested as well. Great ownership uh, with the Philadelphia Union and already great ownership with FC Cincinnati. So, it, it, it goes hand in hand. Uh, I'm a firm believer. Uh, it doesn't work unless you work. Yo, yo, yo. What's up, footy fans? It's your host, Hugh Roberts, a.k.a. Superhuman. It feels great to be back. First off, got to start off with an apology again for episode 48, the previous episode with Brent Bronico. It was an incredible episode. We dove, we dove straight into his journey, his resilience, his mental fortitude, also his company that he's with, Soccer Resilience. It was an incredible episode. Sorry again, but I promise you I'm going to see him again soon. We're going to make a part two even better. Stay tuned for that. But the real episode 48, we're here. We're back. I'm excited to be back. Uh, like I said, I'm doing something special for this Black History Month. I don't want to... Last year I did. I got a group together and we talked about you know the importance of black soccer. Check that out on YouTube. Year before, I got together another group of us to talk again as well. But this time I wanted to do a little educational two-part series to educate you guys on topics that's important to us and what needs to be discussed from us black athletes from our players' perspective. So it was an honor to first start it off with my big bro, Ray Gaddis. We talked about disparities and lack of, of black coaches within the MLS and what that means to us and the importance of it and how he plans to enact change within his realm. An incredible episode you definitely want to tune into. Uh, feels great to be back into the podcasting realm. I'm back, you know, full swing out here in Cali as well, too. So BYF, you know, is definitely going to show you guys some new marketing, some new things. Got a lot of new exciting things, especially for an inaugural team that is excited to work with me, too, at Backyard Footy. So it's very exciting to be here, man. Energy's been great, and I'm, I'm enjoying it. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Rate, comment, subscribe. We've got another series for you with another special guest coming up next. But definitely listen to this incredible episode. Appreciate you getting footy fans. So what's good, my guy? I know you out there in Florida in preseason. I appreciate you joining me. What's up, footy fans? We got Ray Gaddis here, OG legend, Black Player Coalition founder as well, too. Here in his, what's this, 14th, 15th year? Nah, 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 nah. This, this is a decade for me. This is a decade. <laughs> But we got the OG out here, man. I appreciate you joining me, my bro. Oh, man. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it, Hugh. So what made you come out of retirement on your Jordan grind coming out again? You know, what made you come out and play? Um, I, I mean, uh, it was a fantastic opportunity. Um, one, it was in close proximity to, to my hometown, Indianapolis. And, you know, I just thought, uh, again, it was just a great opportunity to, to, to not only – uh, insert yourself in a different space. I haven't been with the Philadelphia Union for nine seasons, uh, but, you know, Chris Albright and Pat Noonan uh, really had meaningful conversations uh, with me uh, about what they wanted to do with FC Cincinnati, but also just looking at the the ownership and, and some of the things that they're doing in the community in Cincinnati uh, really drew me uh, to come out of retirement and to, to even partake in some of the things. Uh, they're building many pitches. They're doing culinary rehabilitation, but also giving them access to, to try to figure out job markets there. FC Cincinnati's community relations side has done uh, great work thus far since being in the league. Wow, wow, I didn't know that. I had a 
last year, yeah, during the pandemic and everything, or two years ago, actually, I had a Black Lives Matter episode of Fatai, who was at FC Cincinnati at the time. And he was talking about, you know, some of the discrimination he was getting in his, in his DMs from Cincinnati fans. They caught wind and donated 250K to local minority um, organizations in Cincy. So to hear that too, a couple of years later, they're still following suit and doing, you know, the mission and good work. That's great to hear. And not a lot of organizations, you know, follow up the social media posts like that, you know? Most definitely. How's preseason been and everything down there? It's been good, man. You know, it, you know how it is. It's a slow grind. I mean, obviously, everybody's trying to catch their footing. Um, we're trying to build relationships on and off the field. Uh, but it's, it's, it's the dog days that people don't see, right? The fitness and, and, and tour days and things like that. But it's great. You feel good? I feel good, man. I just want to say congratulations, too, man, on your new deal, wow. man. My Allie, man. I'm proud of you, man. And, and you're a trailblazer in your own right. And everything that you're doing in the spaces, too, man. So salute to you as well. Yes, sir, my guy. I appreciate you as always. Briefly, tell us how you got it, how you got here, how you started into your point right now, how you got here in your journey. Uh, I mean, uh, I, I'm going to even take it back to club days. Um, yep. I had a green coach, uh, and I had great uh, teammates, but also lifelong friends. Uh, all of us uh, end up going Division One soccer. All of them are doing great things. Some, some are lawyers. Some are doctors, some are engineers for the Chicago Transit. I mean, everybody has done amazing things and went on. Some are current players in Major League Soccer and just in the soccer ranks. So all of us have really done great things. I always like to give that plug because, you know, uh, without those guys and those tangible relationships, they continue to push me to be greater. Right. Uh, from there, from my club days, uh, I end up going to West Virginia University. Right. Uh, Graduated early there. Uh, I was under the hem of Marlon LeBlanc. Um, you know, we're going to be talking about representation and talking about uh, people who look like you in spaces. He's a black coach. Uh, he actually gave me an opportunity, but it was great to see him in Division One playing in the Big East in a major, major conference, uh, but also learning so much from him and how he uh, went about his business. Mm -hmm. And then from there in 2012, I was drafted to the Philadelphia Union. Mm -hmm. uh, nine years there, and now I'm here at FC Cincinnati in my 10th season uh, in Major League Soccer. So how did that impact you having Marlon at, you know, a prime youth age in your career when you're in college, you know, a teenager about to become a man, you know, to have a black coach there in college at that time? How did that impact you? Well, it impacted me a lot, you know, uh, just talking about representation as a whole, yeah. not just Legion ranks, but, you know, sporting directors for uh, pro teams, whether it's academy directors, you know, I have this pillar in the system and th this is, this is more of my outlook on, on seeing representation in those places, man, when you have visibility, right. it pays so many dividends for people who look like you, because now it allows you to aspire to feel like you can be in those spaces post-career, you can do these things. And then once you see the visibility, then there's availability, you know, once you see somebody, is that person available to you? Is that person, you know, uh, offering resources? So then it comes accessibility. So I went visibility, then I went availability, then I went accessibility. You know, Coach LeBlanc granted all these things for me as a young player. I got to see somebody who looked like me, who was in a position, uh, 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 who was at a high position in, in the world of football. But then I had I had the availability to be able to talk to him and he made himself available, uh, available. And then there was the accessibility part, right? So like he was a young man once, okay, how did you do this? 
How did you do that? You know, what, what, what did it take for you to get here? What loopholes did you have? Uh, so I don't have to bump my head if I'm trying to position myself later. Uh, should I start my coaching license now? How can I better put my foot forward of getting into the draft? Should I be getting my degree? How can you help me double down, not just from the soccer uh, presence, but how can I get involved in some of the, the, the groups that he was in? Wow. Uh, he spearheaded the one WVU campaign where it was inclusivity. So we talk about this now and diversity, equity right, and inclusion. Right. This man already had that program going when I stepped on the campus in 2008, 2009. And I was one of the, the actual like chairman, but also a representatives from this. So like if you if you ever get a chance to talk to him about it, it's funny how oh, all of this yeah. down, but he right. was already doing this he was a forward thinker for these type of things so my, my my particular relationship and seeing that it paid dividends because i felt like somebody had my back i could go to somebody and talk to them about stuff that maybe i'm going through but maybe not going through as somebody who had my best interest and who had been in this game for a minute so he was giving me the real, but also trying to coach me to be a better player. And also sometimes some of the shortcomings are offering the right resources, mm -hmm. not only in the academia space, mm -hmm. but being in a professional environment, having the right nutrition, right, right, right. getting the right health, health and wellness type of things right. that are beneficial to one's life. Uh, because sometimes, you know, I'm just going to say as, as black people, we have to go through a lot more. So your health and wellness is all that important. But he provided all those resources. It took me a long time to honestly understand the health and nutrition side, probably until I was a pro. I didn't really have that figure for me to guide me, as you're mentioning yourself. I mean, to me personally, this is exactly why we're talking about this. Going to dive into our topic here in a minute. But me personally, I only had one black coach my whole life. And I was in middle school as a Caribbean coach who actually gave me my first break and opportunity from rec ball to club ball. And, you know, it was, he was on a short leash as well, too. We turned to academy. There goes his chance. We get a new white coach and, you know, kind of took off from there. But I've gone through so many different stages of different coaches, adapting myself, seeing how they have their connections with, you know, their white community and their white players, putting their arms around them and seeing us having them such a disconnect where we have to battle and fight through different nuances just to get, you know, some kind of a praise or approval. So, you know, it's kind of exactly why I want to touch on these things because a lot of times these coaches – and it's nothing wrong with that. You're just comfortable with, you know, what you're used to. You don't understand sometimes when, when we go through certain struggles instead of, you know, benching us or not talking to us or just thinking, you know, we're just a frustrated kind of group. I always have an attitude or something, you know, just have, put, a, put an arm around us, have a conversation with us, get to know us a little better and you'll come to the humanity level of things, which will then transcend a player to, I feel like, go miles and miles. So you hit on a lot of, a lot of key things too, and I appreciate you providing that. But yeah, my guy, so through your MLS career, have you, have you seen many black coaches in the league and what has that impact been for you, learning from them, seeing them, or playing against them? I mean, the, the, I mean, last year, uh, having a conversation, well, not last year, the year before, uh, talking with Thierry Henry and me and him having played against each other, he really allowed me to have, again, uh, he made himself available available for me to have access to understand some of the things that he went through. And although he's Thierry Henry, he was no different than being provided opportunities to coach. Uh, then, I mean, just look around, just look around, <laughs> look around. I mean, you have Ezra, 
who's on Chicago now. And, and then we also have one out in Colorado. So these, these various coaches uh, in my tenure span, you haven't really seen that many as, as head coaches. I think that things are on the horizon. I always like to be uh, able to look at the silver lining. I think things are changing uh, for, for this, but not really, right? Um, but there is this new opportunity for us to, to, to make a stance for why we should be candidates for not only head coaching positions, but technical directors, general managers, right. uh, and having like Dennis Hamlin or Ali Curtis and having great conversations with them and the representation there has also gave new hope too. So I want to say that, that there has been figures who have been visible, mm -hmm. um, but I also believe that many other coaches can, can step up and uh, be a head coach or be an assistant coach or be whatever they aspire to be in these spaces. Appreciate you providing that. Do you feel like clubs should, you know, interview more coaches, more of us too? Do you, I, is there, is, I, I, know, I know there's kind of like a Rooney rule-ish in the MLS where they had to, you know, interview a certain amount of coaches. Is clubs still following up on that? I, yes, they are. But I also believe that, I always tell this too, like, you know, I'm definitely one to be trying to put people on that look like me. But it's about putting on the right qualified people. Right. Uh, sometimes right, right, they, right. Want, they want these opportunities, but you have to be qualified to be in these spaces. For for, uh, I'm just gonna speak for myself for me to advocate for you because I'm always gonna be an advocate. But I think that that's more tangible and that's more realistic. Is being qualified for the position. Mm -hmm. Do I think that there are a lot of qualified coaches? Yes. Um, again, but it's about also having the opportunity knowing when the hiring starts, that's a big thing in general, not even knowing that these positions are open right. or what's the availability or, you know, someone's about to take another job. How can I start laying the foundation earlier? You know, these conversations happen. Uh, it's a small world, especially in the soccer community, but how can you start having these conversations to put yourself in position as well? Do you feel like we're on a short leash when we do get these opportunities? Um, right. I, I feel like, Let's put it like this. I haven't seen enough representation in these spaces, but if I'm taking other sports such as a la football, you know, we got the Super Bowl coming up. Uh, yes, the, the leash is a lot shorter or, you know, they give people a little bit more time to try to develop a team or right. stay in a bad team to try to turn it around than others. When I start seeing more visibility, I can give you a more honest answer right. uh, about do I feel that now if you ask me, uh, are we under a different microscope as in how we have to conduct ourselves or how we have to act in this setting? Yes. For mm -hmm. the, for, for those, but Can you, you know, talk to that a little bit, sir. Uh, I mean, just like you mentioned a little bit earlier, you know, if, if, you know, you may be passionate about the game, it may be looked at as another player look that looks different than us is passionate. Right. Why we look like we're frustrated or upset. Why can't we hold that same passion? Or, you know, uh, if somebody lashes out or things like that, that means that they're they're frustrated. But when we do it, that means that we have no character or we have character flaws. You right. know, that doesn't, that they're they're not embedded in the game. But then it is depicted as we're not in, uh, fully ingested in the game. And, and we are, again, going back to attitude. That's what I mean by that. Um, yeah. So I'll leave it there. Why for, for people listening why do these things matter, especially for us, too, as players? You know, well, having more representation, having more, like, as a managerial position, things like that. 
well, well, one, it gives hope for the people after us, right? Mm-hmm. So it inspires them. Uh, we have aspirations. We have end goals as well. We have things that we want to accomplish. That for, for starters, that's why it's important. Also, again, we touched on that component. Um, l- let's just give out statistics. I don't know what the exact statistic is, but for at least for Major League Soccer, that the lead has more minorities than they do <laughs> uh, right. other than right. people. So therefore, you you would need some type of representation for these players to relate to. So that's why it's important. But also, too, uh, it's just time for change. It's time to, to start breaking down some of these barriers uh, and, and giving people who may have different insights who can be successful in these spaces. Sometimes I just tell people well, we just need an opportunity mm-hmm. and you get in where you fit in. Um, that's for everybody. But once you get the opportunity, it's, it's what you make of it. So, yeah. This past season, we were fortunate to have Brian Haynes. I'm, I'm sure you know Brian Haynes. He um, came over with one of the few Black assistants in the USL. It's fortunate to have him here, but just to see his interaction. It's not just the Black players, it's the Spanish players, almost every minority, but even the white players. But he was a, a player's coach and could connect with the players. And, you know, sometimes that goes miles and just kind of spoke to the reason why we had some form of success as well, because internally we still gelled and we had kind of like that bridge and connection from a coach actually like talking to us and communicating with us. So exactly what you're saying, I think those things go miles. Do MLS clubs do work in minority communities? And if not, do you feel like, you know, more clubs need to do more work into our communities and have more of an outreach? Most definitely. Even if you talk about Cincinnati, setting up financial literacy classes, for, for minorities, mm-hmm. but like I said, there's another two mini pitches that are being placed in communities where it's gonna give uh, the constituents access to it or the, the people who are in those communities access to it. To mm-hmm. you, you know, soccer is not something that's prevalent in black communities or minority communities all the time. Um, but yeah, even in Philadelphia, you know, I was a part of a foundation, uh, you know, where it provided opportunities for different job outlooks. They're allowing students to come in and see what ticket sales are like, see what day-to-day operations is like, see what, if they want to be a coach, see what that's like, see what, see what being a kick guy is like, seeing what a groundskeeper's like. So there are clubs doing great work. Uh, Jeremy and Bobasi, he did great work out in Portland. Um, just clubs, you know, creating different opportunities for the youth and minority communities out there. Justin Marles has also been doing it north of the border, but also in his hometown city uh, of Cleveland. Uh, Myself, I've been doing various things with the Indianapolis Public Schools in my hometown, even though it's not uh, a major league soccer specific community, but Indy 11's there. Just trying to work with them and and reach it because they have a platform to serve not just the soccer community, but all other type of people. It's not just the minority communities, but sometimes I I don't think that clubs, they're so more invested in the business aspect, which is important but they can make such a huge impact in minority communities in the communities that they're in just as a whole as well. You made a great point. I was just about to touch on too. I was going to ask you, is this, you know, the BPC has been impactful setting up all these many pitches and just, you know, monumental things these past couple of years. And a lot of players that you just mentioned are part of the BPC. Is this players within the BPC willing to go the extra mile to do these things? Or is it, you know, the clubs and the league willing to, advocate for us players to push us out and set you guys up and everything you mentioned is it like the philly handed that to you or did you have to reach and do some more of your outreach and bring it to philly 
to bring the boys and girls clubs in and you know show them the ticket sales that kind of thing what well, was well, it's, it's, it's twofold right like um sometimes the club's not going to know the nature of the situation because you know again uh, i was talking about visibility you would know what your people need more than sometimes what the owner does or the club so right. therefore you take it to the owner but then the owner gets invested as well. Great ownership uh, with the Philadelphia Union and already great ownership with FC Cincinnati. So it, it, it goes hand in hand. Uh, I'm a firm believer. Uh, it doesn't work unless you work. Mm. You know what I mean? So like if you're invested in this and then you bring it to the ownership group and they see that you're passionate behind it and they figure out well, how's this going to benefit all parties in, or what type of resources they can allocate, they'll get behind you. They will get behind you, but you got to come correct uh, for sure. So I will say that it's a twofold thing. The, the, the clubs are looking for opportunities to make a splash in the communities, but you can also help them and guide them to where you feel that the necessary resources need to be allocated. So if it, it doesn't work unless you work, you know. And so what you're also kind of saying is, you know, players have more power than we think we do as well. And it's, I guess it's something that I kind of realized myself using my platform. I really, with George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery and everything, I kind of, I'm just, just being vocal on social media, expressing my personal beliefs and feelings, and that kind of got me to where I am today. But, you know, things that you're mentioning right now is kind of in the sense where clubs are looking for it, but players, sometimes I feel like we don't, I mean, now we're starting to know a lot more these coming years, but we, I don't think, knew our full capabilities until now, too. So you kind of mentioned players do have more power than we think we do. I think it's, I think it's a twofold thing. I think, like, you know, uh, of course, the unfortunate, uh, events that continue to occur here has opened up an opportunity for us to speak without uh, consequences and repercussions. But I also feel that, you know, the floor has been given to see that we've been able to uh, appropriately express ourselves in a positive manner or tell what was really important to us. Mm -hmm. So, but then at the same time, you used the word earlier, you used the bridge. You are the bridge more than you know. Uh, for somebody else. FC Cincinnati, newly to the club, they just let me write. Uh, this is my second piece writing, and I'm getting into the writing piece. I did one with Howler Magazine, but they let me write a Black History tribute piece that just aired, and it got so much love, not just from the soccer community, but like new my new community in Cincinnati, uh, people nationally, like, yo, this is deep, you know, but they're allowing me to tell a story uh, without any consequences or repercussions. They're allowing me to show and express myself and trust in me that I'm going to be a great representation of the club no matter what. So, again, right. uh, you're that bridge. Right, so I see that 100%. I, I, you know, it's kind of with the independence as well, from my opinion, too. Uh, it was crazy. They helped me with my foundation. I was able to give them Black Lives Matter t-shirts. They're, you know, supporting with me and in the community, and too. But I really wouldn't have known that if I didn't advocate for myself and going to the front office and became that bridge too. And, and it spoke wonders too. So I kind of see exactly what you're saying too. And I appreciate you saying that. What, what's your plans and visions? Do you have plans to change some of these things that's going on systematically for us? Uh, most definitely. Every, every day is a day for opportunity for change, you know, having the necessary conversations, but it's how you hand, how you have them and when you have them and who you have them with. You know, sometimes you could be knocking on the wrong door uh, and, you know, no one's going to answer. But it's also being prepared to be able to have a, a meaningful dialogue to help change these practices. I know, at least for myself, like even for pro referee, right, 
uh, they allowed me to come into a space to help change some of the language, but also help with some of the discriminatory practices. I did some consultant work in my time and leave from soccer, but in these spaces, you don't know who's behind the scenes. It just happened to be me and God bless me to help change some of the dialogue, even with how refereeing is handled for racism, how to handle the dialogue, you know, where uh, a person that doesn't look like you, mm-hmm. a word that may be said and may be okay in their country, but how to have that understanding of what is said and what is not said, what is offensive and what's not offensive. And, you know, I really credit pro refereeing and and even Major League Soccer behind the scenes for starting to invite people, not just myself, there's other people, but I can only speak from my experiences and being on uh, boards uh, behind scenes and talking about, okay, what are we doing to to progress or how can we change or how we how can we uh, allocate resources for a diversity, equity and inclusion position? Mm-hmm. Or what are we doing to hire out more people uh, and have representation in different spaces? FC Cincinnati just hired the first ever black woman uh, creative director in mm-hmm. all sports. You know, she came from Atlanta. So now they're putting her in spaces where she's going to be able to show her talents. It's not just, again, it's not just the coaching or, or administrative positions, but people are being put in places where uh, I got this saying, you need friends who are going to bring your name up in rooms that you're not in. Exactly. So that's what that's what that's where I'm at uh, right now with different people in different spaces. It may not be what I want to do, but I'm gonna bring your name up here because I think that you're qualified again, and I think that you have something to bring to the table. You can do it. You know, going back to there are qualified people for these positions. Yes, sir. Nah, I appreciate you for saying that. And it's funny, especially with the pro refereeing, you know, it was always a saying that if you're, you know, fast and black, you get kind of moved to the back. And, you know, we always get feel like we got these tick for tack kind of fouls. And even me personally, I was six foot in eighth grade and I'm getting all these fouls called on me as a, as a striker. And it kind of changed my game, changed the way I played too. So, you know, it's very important. I've always felt that referees should know these little nuances and how to, you know, see for themselves, you know, what kind of what they're calling, how obvious it is in comparison to the other side kind of thing. So, yeah, I definitely appreciate you for saying that as well, too, and fighting for that. Do you have any do you have any advice for people listening, especially, you know, us black athletes who are trying to make a difference? Yeah, the, number one, uh, have an opening ear um, not with the intent to respond, but to, to the intent to understand uh, the point of view, because it may not be your point of view. Uh, the second thing, too. How can you be an advocate, but also how can you uh, be more inclusive that I understand what you're thinking as well? It's a two way street for any and for us to progress, for us to move forward. We have to have some type of understanding of some of the things or things that you're taught or things that you're thinking as well. It's not just one sided. And then at the same time, uh, for for black athletes, be patient with yourself. Mm. Uh, uh, think before you speak, but also uh, have a plan uh, in order, not not just going forward uh, if you want to continue to pursue uh, higher uh, levels of sport just in soccer, but anything in life, have a plan. You know, don't just think that you can go out there and do anything. Everything that God's been able to allow me to do, I always start with a plan. Mm-hmm. I, I format it, I think it out. And then at the same time, when I say that, God doesn't give you anything that you cannot accomplish. So if he brings it to you, that means you can accomplish. But right. you have to have a plan in order for how you're going to go about this or else 
you will fall on your face or else you, you won't succeed to the level that God really wants you to. And that's what anything, right? We're, me and you are professional athletes. Every day, I don't just go out here and just kick the ball. I'm, right. I'm planning to build up my training regimen, to build up my skill set, to prepare me for uh, the best opportunity to help the team when I go out there. So those are just words of advice. And then just a little inspiration moment. You yeah. know, if you can't see it before you see it, then you'll never see it. I always tell people that. So visualize what you want to do. Uh, you know, it may just be playing at the collegiate soccer and getting your education, but right. how you make it make sense for you? It may be the best club coach or or to win your league. How are you going to go about doing it? If you can't see it before you see it, then you'll never see it. Mm. So mm. seeing is believing. That's the same thing for kids and the youth too. They can't see, can't be what they can't see, especially seeing us athletes on the, on the highest levels and the most managerial positions. Exactly what you're saying too. Wise words, guys. Listen to that from the legend himself, Man Ray. It's been an honor, my guy. I really appreciate you for joining this informative episode. And I think this is especially like a one-of-a-kind edition that people need to educate themselves on, my guy. Off the field, me and you, off the, off, off the record kind of thing, me and you are going to connect too, my guy. I love everything that you're doing. I'm definitely going to be up there too, chopping it up with you soon, my G. Keep in touch with me and everything. Support my guy. Follow him. Stay tuned. FC Cincinnati this year is going to be doing great things. I appreciate you having me, baby. Thank you, you already know. Backyard Footies brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network podcast. That's bgn.fm on the internet. You can also follow them on Twitter at the BGNFM. Oh, yeah.